I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. We acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognize their continuing connection to land, waters, and culture. We pay our respects to their elders past, present, and emerging. Welcome to This Song Is Yours, a music podcast where we chat to a new guest each week, talk about their life and creative endeavours, and talk to them about some of the music they love. Our show works by chatting to our guests about music, but also getting them to make you a playlist of the songs they love. You can find the link to our playlist in the show notes. Welcome to episode 35. I'm your host, Simon Fink. Our guest today is Ben Folds. The former Ben Folds 5 frontman has conquered music, TV, literature, and has now rejoined us in the world of podcasts with his new podcast, Lightning Bugs, Conversations with Ben Folds. In today's episode, Ben and I talk about his new podcast, The Origin of the Waltz, and truth and the role it played in his New York Times bestselling book. Here we go. Our guest today is one of pop culture's most recognizable musicians. His one-third of alternative rock band Benfolds 5 has had an incredible solo career and has starred on TV shows like Community and You're the Worst. He's now adding podcaster to his resume. Please welcome to This Song Is Yours, Ben Folds. Hello. Hello. How's it going, Simon? Good. Thank you, Ben. How are you today? Pretty good. Pretty good. <laughs> That's good. Um, now, congratulations on Lightning Bugs conversations with Ben Folds. Thank you. You've conquered music, film, TV, literature, and now you're rejoining us in the world of podcasting. Are you able to tell us and the the listeners a little bit more about your podcast? Um, yeah. I mean, I, I was sort of led by curiosity. Um, I, I've always had the... Um, one of the cool advantages of, of being in my work uh, is seeing other creative people in their process uh, and, and often struggling. Um, and uh, I, I just, I wanted um, people to hear a lot of different sorts of processes of creating and a lot of different angles uh, 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 on creativity in general, because I think everyone makes something and everyone has ideas and that the, uh, the, the, the sort of the struggles, the techniques, uh, all the dramas of, of creating, um, are done over and over and over again by people, by, by some people, uh, and, and you can go to them for, uh, uh, for advice and stories and, and, uh, and perspective, you know, I've got a, an anthropologist, uh, uh, so far, a music therapist, not as many musicians. Um, and, and there's, there's a reason for that, I think. Um, and, and the other thing about the podcast that I'm doing is each, each, uh, podcast yields a song. Uh, I discuss with them, you know, we're going to, uh, uh, we're going to come up with a song, so let's come up with a phrase or something. And at the end, I've got the song uh, um, done. That sounds like a um, like a very cool and interesting concept for you. What was it that um, that I guess 
as, as you mentioned, it's it's not as many musicians as one might think would be on like a Ben Folds podcast. Yeah. What was the decision or where um, where was it that you were kind of wanting to push in terms of including different uh, different backgrounds or different careers and, and not just musicians or, or like artist craves? Yeah, well, I, I, I feel the musician's uh, perspective is important, but it's just one perspective uh, or it's a type of perspective on, on how you create and what you create. And I think it's important for people to see, like I have um, a, 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 a software developer uh, on and a, uh, uh, an inventor of, uh, of musical um, recording equipment. Um, the reason being is because all these different angles are, are, are all, to me, more likely to eventually strike a chord with a person who is not in the arts because I, I, w- I want to stress that creativity is a, a human function and not just proprietary to the arts. That does make sense. That's very fair. <laughs> um, I, I know we're still in the early days of it. Have you had any creative process yet that um that you've you've looked at and gone, oh, like I, I never would have uh, like looked at it from that angle or seen it from that perspective. I think you get that uh, a little bit more. I I find I get that a little bit more in one particular part of the podcast, which I'm calling New Week's Resolution. And what that is, is I have them give us an exercise that we're all supposed to do, hopefully, um, (laughs) in order to sort of bring us closer to that person's way of looking at it. And and those have each been pretty unique and and different. Um, I think that's the part... That 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 indicates to me. Oh, I haven't thought about that before. And almost all of them are sort of like that. It's it's hard to remember. We're we're getting the you know, you're in the podcast uh, uh, biz, so you'll know that you <laughs> go for getting a lot of them in the can in a row. And I'm just so in the middle of it and, and can barely remember. Especially since I'm taking so much time uh, on the songs. So after the episode is over, I'll take up to up to a week of working on the song and making it something that, that makes sense. By the end of that, it's hard for me to remember. <laughs> um, a poet, I had a poet on um, who uh, was particularly interesting about the creative process in that she was assigning the sounds of a word. She, she was, how do I put this? I mean, she was so eloquent about it, and I'm going to just chop it up into little bits, but... <laughs> The sounds of the words and the associations of those sounds have a tie some in some way by association and by onomatopoeia and by etymology uh, to different meanings of a word. And by exercising the saying of a word over and over again and as almost as a mantra, and then to begin to take the associations you have from that and write down other words, that is particularly interesting because words do come from somewhere. Words do have an association. And if you just assign the dictionary meaning to them, you don't get as far. But for a poet, they're working with all this other stuff. So, I mean, I would say that was very useful uh, for uh, for public speaking, for instance. You know, you have a choice of four words. Go for the one that, that, that may have more inherent poetry in it or or hidden associations, or an etymology about it that really like a word like prestige. Prestige comes from presto, 
magic, deception, uh, sleight of hand, uh, and, and then and then it's applied to selling condos. Go buy the prestigious, you know, Sherwood Forest <laughs> condominiums. That sounds like it's going to be um, quite an, uh, an interesting and incredible kind of episode to listen to. Yeah, I think she was was really really interesting. Yeah, she is. I'm curious uh, for you, Ben. I know that you've been here in Australia now for over a year, and uh, yeah. you've been living in an apartment. You've been uh, working on new music and working on the podcast. In terms of creative processes, have you found that um, the, like the circumstances of where you are now? that's changed your creative process from like how mm. you, you previously used to work? It, it, it has. I mean, and, you know, I think that is the nature of creativity in general. It is always a collaboration between you and your circumstances. And sometimes your circumstances lead to mistakes and things you wouldn't uh, guess. And you need to give that collaborator enough, you know, enough of, uh, uh, of a, of a partnership in order to, to get through without losing your mind. Uh, you know, I was talking to John Batiste, who's uh, a jazz pianist, uh, musical artist, who is the uh, band leader on um, Stephen Colbert's show. Uh, he was one of my guests. Yeah. And um, he said that he had to take on a new mindset or he would dissipate. And that mindset was, it really locking into the mundane formulaic part of music so that the people who have like established formulas well before us that worked, that were born of inspiration are there as templates. So that if he only has 30 minutes to knock something out right now, because of the television show being locked down in one place, all the extra time it takes to coordinate musicians online instead of in person that he is now used that and that's his collaborator. So he's now collaborating more on the on the uh, uh, shoulders of giants. For me, you know, like this podcast is a result of, of of my going. How can I be useful in in uh, in lockdown? I can't tour. I have extra time. This is something I've always wanted to do. When it comes to making music, I'm now making music more in the computer, more in the can. I always resisted that. And I was a bit of a snob about it. Uh, <laughs> behind me, you see this uh, electric piano. Yeah, I carried a real piano to my gigs when I started, simply because I was such a snob <laughs> about um, uh, about electric pianos. And when I say I carried it with me, I don't mean I hired some people to to do it. I moved it off the truck with other people, a baby grand piano. So that's how much it meant to me. But now that limitation just squeezed right in because we're here in this little apartment and no way to get a real piano in. So, I mean, I know it looks like a massive Russian gym from the forties, <laughs> but that's my fantasy. So it's, it's what, whatever you have to do to make yourself feel comfortable while creating. I definitely understand that. Pretty much it. Yeah. We've spoken to a few guests over the last 12 months and, um, we know that you obviously did uh, release a song 2020 and that there is some new music coming, but initially, with those circumstances, did you find it difficult in any way um, when presented with, I guess, the initial situation of a pandemic and, and being stuck in another country? Mm. Well, my first um, instinct after making sure that we 
had a place to live and, and, you know, like the basics that I think everyone was, whether they were running around like a, uh, you know, like a chicken with their head cut off or not, we were all freaked out a little bit. And so I was trying to establish what life would be. (laughs) And then after we got that sorted, um, my next thing was, well, this is, needs to be viewed as an opportunity to, to, to make something. So my first idea is no, yeah. I make albums. Let's make an album. I found that difficult um, in uh, I found that difficult in these circumstances. I mean, it's always difficult to make an album. Um, but I really didn't want to make a lockdown album. I could already feel very early um, how old. I mean, I looked back at the pandemic of 1918 and realized that for some weird reason, it didn't really make the history books until this one came back. I mean, I'd read a book about it years ago and we all kind of knew it was there, but that was a huge, huge deal. It killed more people than, than, than the wars did. And, um, I, I, I think what I got out of that was, oh, they were sick of it. Yeah. No one wanted to talk about it. That's why it's not celebrated in the history <laughs> books as this terrible thing is is because people just moved on. We're like, fuck away from me. <laughs> so I think uh I I, I, I think I, I sort of sense that. And I want to make an honest record. So, you know, um making an album about being locked down was the most honest record, but I, I thought maybe not. So I jumped into stuff like the podcast. Um, I wrote the song 2020 because I found an opportunity to write a song in in the um, ever-increasing rate of events. The, the news cycle uh, in the last 10 years has sped up to just neck-breaking speed. Yeah, agreed. Now, uh, you know, last year, 2020, especially for America— was a year where you would wake up and find out what year we were reliving. What's this? Okay, it's 1918. Oh, it's not 1918, it's 1930s. Great Depression. Oh, no. Change that. Change a channel. It's 1968. It's the Civil Rights March. Uh, and then back to, no, 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 it's 1938, the rise of uh, of, of Hitler. <laughs> so we, we were in so many years all the time that I thought that's something to write a song about, not about being locked down, but about the speeding of time and, and to go ahead and make one song uh, commemorating 2020 for me. I wrote a bunch of other stuff too, um, but I want to sit on that and see where that goes. And I want to be with other human beings in the same place that are great musicians and help me bring that out because I've, I've been a little bit of a hermit, you know? That's very fair. I think that's, um, a very smart way to do it. I feel like some lockdown music has already, um, not aged, but you can see like one or two little cracks starting to appear in terms of how it does kind of, yeah, how it does age. Mm. With 2020, I think that it was balanced perfectly um, Thank you. with uh, this beautiful waltz behind it. Um, was there a bit of a... a um, not difficulty, but how did you find that balance between, you know, you don't want it to be too comical. You don't want it to, you want it to still kind of resonate mm-hmm. and kind of hit the heart while dealing with the subject matter that you just described. Yeah. I mean, a waltz is a, uh, 
is a good musical tool for it has heart, but it has distance. And it's also very um, stable. Like a waltz is a very old, recognizable, I'm not trying to bust down any new musical barriers. It's a timeless uh, sort of thing. So I felt waltz from the beginning of it. And and I started a little more with a dirge. It's like... And, and it just sort of evolved towards a waltz. Uh, eventually, and 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 I think the the one thing about a waltz, which I just mentioned, uh, which a uh, uh, a fairly famous uh, uh, songwriter in America that might not be as famous here, Ricky Lee Jones. Do you know Ricky Lee Jones? I do know a little bit, not a lot, but yeah. You know that song? Um, uh, there's an Australian that, that covered it. Uh, I can't remember the name. I'm sorry, but uh, it's "We'll be riding on the horses, oh, um, yeah, yes, little uh, darling." Daryl Braithwaite. Daryl Braithwaite. That's right. <laughs> that's Ricky's song. I never knew she that, that song, song was a cover. Yeah, yeah, that's a cover. And uh, and Ricky Lee Jones, uh, she's one of my favorites. And she, uh, she, I spent a lot of time with her one summer, and uh, she. She told me uh, uh, this theory about the waltz, which I thought, I thought was great, which was that it never gets too close to you. It always keeps just a little bit of distance. So you can wear your heart out on your sleeve a little bit, but the waltz has you from, keeps you from being on someone's sofa and crying. It's like it <laughs> just a little bit of distance. And, 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 and I've always, I've just took that as truth and, and, and used that because she mentioned how many waltzes I did and said it was because of my need to stay sort of dignified and slightly distanced from someone that I wasn't just kind of, you know, bawling in their face. Uh, the, the new music kind of marks the first time uh, that you've been recording in Australia since I think 20 years ago mm. with Rocking the Suburbs in, right. um, in Adelaide. Uh, what does, um, I guess, does recording in Australia, or does it bring back any kind of memories of, of that time? Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Well, it was very distinct when I was recording in Australia before I was in Adelaide and, um, in, in, a, in a, a little suburb near the airport called Hindmarsh, and it was in a church. The association is very different for me because of that. You know, uh, this is like, I, 
it's agnostic location. I could be anywhere. <laughs> I could be in a gym in Russia in 1940. So not really, but it did occur to me that when I was in Australia making rock in the suburbs, and it was a very isolated sort of thing for me too, because I didn't really know that many people in in Adelaide, I moved there, uh, but I didn't really know anybody. Uh, and I was in that world of, you know, the kids were born and it was just all kind of, I was like deprivation from the rest of the world. That is a little bit here too. Um, but it did occur to me that, well, you know, I could just kind of take that and go into a studio and play all the, play all the instruments myself and kind of not like rock the suburbs part two, but <laughs> I could kind of understand that and latch onto it. But my interest is leading me a little bit more towards being with all being with musicians. I've, I've, I've spent a lot of time with some of the world's best musicians in the last decade, especially the curation and work that I do for the Kennedy Center uh, in Washington, D.C., as, as an artistic advisor to the, the National Symphony Orchestra. And, and that has allowed me to bring in really sometimes pretty eccentric artists and musicians that people would normally not know about. And I might nor not normally uh, come up uh, uh, come in contact with. So I'd like yeah. to kind of go back and do that. Uh, anyway, but yeah, 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 there's a parallel a little bit, but it's mostly there's just deprivation from the rest of the world, you know, like real world, like hermit, like I'm a hermit here. That's no, that's very fair. I was going to ask, um, we are, we are actually based in Adelaide. I was going to ask, um, whether there's any, um, kind of relating to what you said, being able to take what you, you found here and, um, platform some artists that might not usually be shown in um in other areas mm -hmm. was there any kind of um band or artist or even anything uh it might have been the cooper's pale ale was there anything that you kind of found in adelaide that um you've taken back with you in terms of um yeah just the things things that hold a special place in your heart well i mean i i i you know i i'd like to say that i was there early uh, early on, uh, and, and seeing one of Sia's first gigs, which I did, but I, I have to say, like, I didn't see it. Like I saw her at the, at the, at the, uh, at the governor Hindmarsh for about, I think she was playing for about 20 people. Her mom asked me to come. Yeah. Right. And, uh, you know, I thought that she's a good, you know, White chick soul singer. <laughs> Got a lot of those back home. Didn't think about that much. I think she's absolutely brilliant. I do. I think she's great. I just didn't see it. I saw I saw a little show she probably wasn't proud of at the moment either. And um, you know, it just it wasn't that formed. Uh and then and then she did. So I'd like to be able to brag that I discovered Sia, but I have to say that I was <laughs> one of the guys in the back with ten ears that didn't get it, right? Um, you know, the creative people I came up um in contact with in, in Adelaide were all in sort of other areas. You know, they were uh, comedians or filmmakers, um, uh, winemakers, um, a lot of those. Yeah. And I think that's very creative. In fact, maybe I should talk to uh, uh, one of those at some point. That would be a fantastic idea. That would be a very interesting podcast. 
Yeah, I think so because there's creativity and it. it's just you have to find. Yeah, it can't be too much of a stretch. You have to actually find it and find the things that are useful for people. So until I understand that, we don't book a guest, even though I've had some ideas that were pretty off the <laughs> off the hook. And so that's a great idea. When you really start talking to them, you're like, it's hard to find. You know, uh, some people aren't aren't that good at talking either. Uh, so there's that. You probably know that from. Uh, we've, we've had one or two, but most have been pretty good. It's um, we've been very lucky. Mm, yeah, um, good casting. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I'll say. Yeah, um, the book itself. So the the title of the podcast comes from your book, um, A Dream About Lightning Bugs, which yeah ended up being a New York Times bestseller. It ended up being massive, which I don't think was ever in doubt. You'd have had quite a illustrious career, but when you kind of sat down to to initially write it or put it out there, was there any trepidation or nerves in in putting everything on display? Because you are quite candid in it as well. It is quite a refreshing yeah. take. Well, you know, a book is not really a blurt. There's so many um, phases to it. You've got many safety nets. Um, writing a, a autobiographical stuff I found, and I, I think no one's ever going to be, I hope no one ever becomes an expert, and that means they've written more than one or two autobiographies, which I, I don't think is uh, probably necessary. <laughs> um, but I found I went through seasons, you know. Um, I believe for me, and this is probably true of a lot of people, the struggle is what's true. And if it's not true, does it, is it the way it felt? And, and how, how transparent can you be uh, about those things? What's useful? What's not? What serves your overall story? These things, you just keep on working and keep on working until you find it. A lot of, a lot of chapter writing, I think, that, uh, that just you know hit the trash can uh, eventually. Um, I went through a, um, a, a process of realizing that the things that I thought would be in the book weren't going to be in mm. uh, what I, you know, would, would, would call like a dinner, a dinner party, anecdotal, uh, anecdotal gold, these nuggets of stories that like are always a big hit. Two problems with those. One, you really have to be at dinner for it. <laughs> and the other thing is they're often memories of memories of memories, and those memories have been clouded by the telling of these stories and the sort of, you know, placing an importance uh, or, or a significance to the story that was completely unfounded. When you're 10 years old and an event happens to you, your, your stenographer at that moment is 10 years old. And um, it's important because it's part of your development. But it's important to realize that the stenographer, the the police that men that took the report, was ten years old, and then the and then the the, the person that filed that over the years was in an, it was in different form different forms uh, at different parts of the development. You have to go back to that and say this is a this is a brick in the in the foundation of my psyche. Is it a porous brick or is it a real brick? 
Like, is it really holding something up or is it just hot air? And a lot of times you're like, man, that's hot air. And you throw that out. Well, that's awesome because then you really can see your structure and then you can actually place something in there that actually was real. You can have a lot more empathy for you at that moment and you can have empathy for the people in a story. So if, like, like if you're 10 years old and a teacher uh, uh, does something that upsets you, um, and you're angry about that, you might carry that around your whole life because you don't have time to go back and look at it, think about it. But if you're writing uh, autobiographical material and you mention that in passing, something in your heart should go, hmm, oh, that didn't feel right. Look at it again. The teacher was 25 years old. She just had two kids. She's in a shitty paying job. She was up all night grading papers, and you came in and made fart jokes in the class. <laughs> How do you think she was going to react? And now as a 54-year-old, I can look at that 25-year-old and have empathy. I can look for the 10-year-old and have some empathy, and then I can step back at it and go, is this even a story worth telling? Nope. Take it out. But it was it was gold for years. It was like, man, I told that joke. The teacher came down on me. And it's like, <laughs> ah, it's bullshit. How many times did you, uh, I guess, reevaluate certain situations then? Because as you said, you, you don't revisit a lot of those memories um, until you are doing something like that. And then, yeah, I guess how many times did you kind of come across something and go, oh, that no, that wasn't how it was in my mind? Or Constantly. Yeah. I question everything. Because there, there are it, it is. It would seem that there were two opposing forces. One is I got to make a great book, and it's got to be entertaining. At what cost? Fuck it. I got to make a great <laughs> book, so it's going to be good. On the other side, there's like the truth, and 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 they seem to diverge at first. You seem to think, ah, if I tell the truth, that's more boring. If I if I allow this little, you know, slight discrepancy entertaining discrepancy to, to lead the way. Maybe that's more, that's better. Someone picks up a book and they have a better book to read. Actually, those, those aren't a divergence if you look at it the right way. If you look at it the right way, because the truth as a, as a structure holds the whole thing up so much better. Things happen in an order in your, in your life, in any story, even chronologically, that is perfect. It comes from nature. And I got that from an investigative uh, journalist, very famous investigative journalist named Jane Mayer. And she's written like Dark Money and all these great books that, that she'd written. She, she writes a lot, I think, for The New Yorker. Works now off on the side, uh, uh, the younger Ronan Farrow. And uh, she's uncovered so much stuff. Now, I don't know her, but I listened to her podcast. And she talked about telling the story of any investigative journalism and how to make it interesting and make it true. And she found that the way she did it was to pin all over her office the chronology of what actually happened. Because until she did that, she didn't have kind of the force of nature on her side. This happened, then this led this to happen, this led this to happen. It might not make sense to you intellectually, and you might think you can come up with something more interesting, but the truth is a really, really good thing to hang it all on. And those golden anecdotes at dinner time and the things that you think are more entertaining end up not being a good structure. So.
So even though it seems like you're paying a price for being truthful, I think you find when you start to really look at that, that there's an overall arc to your life. There's an overall thing to have learned, and it's best to be transparent and truthful about it. That said, none of us know how much of the things that we think happened to us are true. So a sort of ethnographic approach where you're transparent about who you are and about those things, I think then becomes necessary so that the reader can go, now, is it really what happened? Or is that the way it felt? But at least they trust that you really believe that that's how it happened, which is the most important part of it because that's your story, your autobiography, your memoir, your memory of what happened. And I, I'm pretty sure after I jumped up and down on, on, on mine in a quality control <laughs> sense that it is at least something that I could take a lie detector test on. And at the worst, it's a distortion of my memory. Yeah. But that doesn't even matter at that point because it's what I learned. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, uh, just very quickly, what was the name of her podcast? Oh, it wasn't her podcast. Oh. I believe it was Ezra Klein. Oh, okay. Beautiful. I believe she was on Ezra Klein's podcast. Oh, definitely. Have and to. it was, it was, I mean, it was inspiring enough to me to where I made sure I had someone get her email address so that I could write her at least a fan letter, if not, and I need some more advice. And now it's <laughs> like, maybe I should have her on my podcast. Definitely a good idea. I'd be, um, yeah, it was more, I'd be very curious to hear that initial episode, um, where she's gone through what you've just described, but then, um, yeah, because I don't think everyone would get the same out of it that I got, but you know, we're all very centric to our lives at that moment. I'm listening to her and she said that about chronology and I was struggling with the certain issues about writing the book. And suddenly I was like, that takes such weight off my shoulders. Yeah. The truth just make sure I pin it all up on a wall or around the office and have all this in order. I don't have to write the book in order, but I have to understand it in order and I have to understand what actually happened so I can see what impacted my thinking on the next event. Yeah, no, that, um, yeah, it sounds fascinating. And I, I think it would be fascinating, uh, if you did, um, have you, you herself and yourself in conversation on your podcast. Yeah. I would love to at least thank her. <laughs> Ben, very quickly, um, we usually will chat to our guests about the music they're currently listening to while you are kind of um, not in lockdown anymore in Sydney, but it is, as you said, a little bit of a hermit. Is there anything that you're yeah. currently listening to or that you're really enjoying at the moment? No. no? I'm so busy, I'm not really listening to music. <laughs> um, we've been putting on like little radio station satellite things with the music of, of a given year. So the last few nights at dinner, that's what it's been. So last night it was 1973. And I've been digging that because this is kind of music that was formative to me. Um, and, I, and I watch a lot of these little snippets on uh, YouTube. You know, I'm, I'm, I consume music like people consume it these days. Before that, I was listening to a lot of uh, Ravel and uh, Beethoven. Um, but really, that's been my short attention span view has been like, there's this guy, I can't remember his name. I want to say it may be Anton or something. 
he does these, let me find it. He does these guitar videos, heavy metal guitar videos um, that are absolutely brilliant. Uh, like they're really, really, really cool. Uh, let me find, I have a friend that we send them back and forth to each other. So <laughs> is it let the, me find this. Is it the metal guitarist? His name. The, he plays like metal have, riffs over popular songs? He plays heavy metal arrangements and riffs around people's viral videos, usually screaming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, his name is Andre Antunes. And <laughs> it's it's actually really fantastic. Like that is like uh, some woman doing a speaking in tongues, like kind of crazy church thing. Yeah. And 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 what the reason I'm fascinated with is because. He finds the inherent musicality in it, which I've actually, you know, it's like auto-tune the news. Remember that? Yeah. Or anyone that puts music to a viral video, that's a, a genre, but he's particularly good at it because he explains to me what heavy metal is. How, like, I know it, I, for me, it comes from Stravinsky, from Wagner. Like, I think it has more of a lineage a European uh, 20, 20th century, mid 20th century, um, late 19th century, you know, connection than it does, and there's little blues and stuff in it, but it kind of skips something and it goes white to the, right to this kind of angry white guy thing, which <laughs> is funny. But he totally shows. Where, in a way, why that is and where it comes from. It's showing all these angry people shouting and the cadence of their of their diatribes. Pretty cool. It is that um, is very cool. I'll make sure that we put a link to it in the podcast episode as well, so that people. Can He's so great. I want to get it. him on my podcast as well. So. <laughs> also, another great episode. I'm very much looking forward to um, possibly some of the season two guests after our conversation today because it sounds like there's. Um, some very cool names coming. Well, there's on. a lot coming. Yeah, we've just got the longest list now, and and uh, it's going to be a lot of work, as you know. <laughs> That's very exciting, Ben. Um, thank you very much for your time today. Uh, the podcast is out now, um, and please check it out. It is Lightning Bugs Conversations with Ben Folds. Ben, thank you. Thanks, Sammy. Good to talk to you. that's our show. A massive thank you to Ben Folds. His new podcast, Lightning Bugs, Conversations with Ben Folds, is out now on Cast Media. Whether you use Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts, we've left links in the show notes so you can find his show. We also want to give a huge shout out to Mike and Mary Catherine at Cop Management for helping out with today's interview. You can find a link to our Spotify playlist in the show notes, where you'll be able to listen to all of our previous guest picks. If you like this show, please subscribe wherever you get your pods and stay up to date when new episodes are released. We release new shows each Thursday and Friday morning with guest playlists streaming on Spotify at the same time. You can follow the playlist profile on Spotify. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook and TikTok. Until next week, cheers.
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 